Welcome. It's the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network, where you can find God's sentence for your life and become the new you, where we talk about finding passion, vision, and faith in your walk with Christ so that your life can overflow with joy, peace, and hope today. Welcome, everybody. It's nearing the end of the week, but don't worry. We've got an exciting show, I hope, on the on the path to your way uh, here shortly. We're going to be talking about Finding God's sentence for your life, and it's an often talked about subject on this show, but usually we just do it in short bursts, saying that God does have a sentence for your life. We encourage you to understand the plans that God has for you, but we don't often dive real deep into the deep end of what does that mean, what does it look like, and how can you find God's sentence for your life today. Thank you for joining us on the show. This subject has come up uh, recently because, well, I've been writing a book, a new book, a brand new book. It's going to be titled Finding God's Sentence for Your Life. I've been working very hard to get this ready so that the things that we've been sharing here on the air can be available to you, to your friends, to your church, to uh, those who are looking for meaning in life and purpose that comes through knowing Christ is their Savior. So it's going to be a fun night tonight. If you're able to, Stream live. Just head over to Facebook today and search for the new John Simmons show. Like our page. You can also follow our live streams there and also on YouTube if you would like to do that as well. We post uh, videos that are both the live stream and additional pre recorded videos that will hopefully encourage you wherever you are in your walk with Christ or whether you have questions about what God's doing in your life. You also have the ability to comment during the show. You can do that via this live stream or you can text in. The telephone number is 314. 314- 8800808 send in your questions thoughts or comments about finding God's sentence for your life. What does it mean? What does it look like? Well, let's get into it. So the idea of God having a sentence for your life got brought up in my life for the very first time a few months after I got born again. So the story is is that I got born again at 29 years old and started asking God what his plans were for my life because at my very first sermon that I went to at a church that I heard a pastor preaching to me as a a brand new born again believer. I heard the preacher talk about that God has a vision for your life. And he said that if you're a Christian, I need you to find out what God's plan is for your life. You need to start praying and asking for it. This was revelation knowledge to me. I'd never heard anything like this before. I never even thought that my life was important. So two main reasons this sermon was so important to my life. The first one is is that hearing I was special to God was liberating. I mean, completely it set me free in a way that I'd never experienced before. And what I mean is this, is that in my old life and I was 
dealing with a problem gambling addiction for more than 10 years where many people in my life, whether it was family or friends or people who would like to steal my money at the poker table, often would question my judgment. My decisions weren't always the best of times. <laughs> I remember one time I had to take the car that I was driving at the time, this Ford Escort, black Ford Escort, uh, shiny-looking dude, and I took that up to the Title Max because uh, I wanted some money to gamble with. And so not the best of decisions. And so when I had to, you know have somebody help me get that out of hock because I didn't have the money to pay for it and I didn't want to lose my car. A humbling experience to say the most, but it was a life lesson that didn't absolutely turn my heart towards a new behavior because I continued to gamble and lose money and make bad decisions for years after that. It wasn't just this idea that I made one bad mistake and sort of dealt with it. It was that my life was a continuation of bad mistakes. And through that course of living, I'd realized that I had a real poor, you know, self view, you know, my, my, my ego was not very big. It was from years of being told that, why do you do things this way? Why did you make that dumb decision? Why can't you get your life straightened out? John, people would say, I didn't know how I didn't realize that I needed to, because I mean, like most of us probably out there in the world today think that who's got a better interest for my life than myself? I'm trying to make myself happy in every way that I can. I'm trying to make sure that God's plan for my life today is being walked out. But before I knew Christ, whose plan was I walking out? Well, like all of us that don't know Christ, we're walking out the plans of our sin nature. It's this instinctual nature we're all born with because of the fall of man. And it looks like this, is that everything in life we do is motivated by self-interest. Well, you would say, well, John, not everything I do is motivated by self-interest. It is possible to act in love and to serve others because you you really do care for others and you want to see their well-being taken care of. However, ultimately, the decisions that we make uh, is a whole, the motivations of our heart. The world says it this way. Make yourself happy. Find ways to make you happy. And so even if you're able to be nice to someone and you're able to teach others how to live life, and eventually you're going to do some things that are of, of, of your self-interest. You're going to be doing things that you're doing because you want to do them. And they may not be the worst things in the world. You may not have a gambling addiction or a drug addiction. Maybe you just want to watch TV all day and you're lazy. Maybe you want to do something else uh, with your time that isn't productive. Either way, Finding out that God has a plan for my life was liberating. I had never known that there was a plan for my future. I had this inkling in my stomach most of my adult life thinking, man, when I was a kid, I didn't think that my life would end up this way. I didn't think that the dreams I had as a child to be a rock star or to do the next thing that I wanted to do, I didn't think that my life would turn into a problem gambling addiction. At no point do I remember writing that down in fifth grade and drawing, you know, pictures of me at a poker table going, Mommy, Daddy, put this on the refrigerator. This is what I'm going to be when I grow up, you know, and, and draw and draw a negative uh, half a million dollars in uh, the account balance of my, of my life at that point. You would think that losing half a million dollars over 10 years would make a guy stop doing what he's doing. But I tell you what, no, it makes you want to get it back. Uh, the efforts that I made to get my losses back were astounding. And I wouldn't wish that 
life upon anybody. But when I realized that God had a plan for my life, it was liberating. It set me free. Everyone around me was telling me, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It, it set me free because it showed me the difference between the way the world saw me and the way that God saw, saw me. God sent his son to die for me. It's easy to sort of think that, well, God sent Christ to die for all of us. But when you think about it, God knows all of us. He created all of us. Jeremiah 1.5 says he knew us in the womb. Ephesians 2.10 said we were created and designed by God for a specific purpose. The Bible talks about the parable of the sheep and that when one sheep gets lost, the, <laughs> the shepherd goes to look for it, leaves the 99 unattended. Christ came to die for me. And it was because I was special to him. He didn't create me to not be saved. He didn't create me to not use my gifts and talents. Now, I may choose to do both of those things, to not find Christ, to not find salvation, and to not use my gifts in life. But when I heard this first message as a believer, I was like, oh, my gosh, God's got a plan for my life. I'm special to him. I just, in that moment, it would just set my heart free from the old life that I'd been living where I woke up in the morning and go, I don't think my life's supposed to look like this, but not really being able to pinpoint exactly where it went wrong or to understand what I can do to change things. I didn't have this knowledge. Instead, I was aimlessly walking around life because I didn't have the truth of God's word to show me the way. Instead, I was making my own decisions. I was relying on the narrative that the world had painted for me, which was that the Bible is this book for old people. It's this book that no one ever reads and understands. The words are too big. You can't pronounce them. It doesn't relate to us today. It was written 2,000 years ago. This is the thoughts that I had about what the Bible was. But somehow, when I read it for myself as a born-again believer for the first time, these words jumped off the page and into my heart. I began reading scriptures that immediately talked to me about problems that I was facing, not only in my life, but that day. I was special to God. His word was written for me, even though it was also written for everyone. The second reason this message that I heard for the first time in 2012 about God having a vision for my life, it was important because I, it was instructional. I needed to hear God show me what to do because, I, again, I was walking aimlessly. So I heard that God had a vision for my life. It liberated me from realizing that, that that feeling, that gut feeling that we sometimes have that, man, I don't think this is right. I don't think my life is right. I don't think I'm supposed to be working here. I don't think I'm supposed to be dating this person. I don't think that this is what my life is supposed to look like. It was liberating to me. But... More than that, it was instructional to me that says, okay, now that you're a believer, you need to start praying and asking God what his plan is for your life. This, to me, was the most light bulb moment I had ever experienced in life. I need to do what? You mean I can find, like this is something, like this isn't just a pipe dream that I've heard, you know, God's got plans for your life. I'm, I mean, now that I've been born again a while, I've heard preachers say this a lot. God's got a plan for your life. You just need to, you know. God's got a plan for your, it's repeated. It's almost like, you know, you go into the Lifeway bookstore and it's printed on every book and rock and pencil and, and bookmark in the place. It's like, we get it. God's got a plan for our life. What we don't often hear associated with God having a plan for your life is, let me show you how to find it. 
We don't get the instructions for the blessing. We don't get the instructions for, you know, the the promise from God. God wants us to find his plan for our life. He doesn't want us to waste it, to miss it, to misuse it. No. So hearing that I needed to start praying and asking God for my sentence, it was instructional. Jeremiah 29, 12 says God has plans for us, but guess what? Jeremiah 20, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that, but Jeremiah 29, 12 says that we need to start praying and asking for it. Whoa. So God has a plan for our life and we need to start praying and asking for it. So this was revelation knowledge to me. It opened up my eyes to what my life in Christ could be, that it didn't have to just be, okay, I have to live my old loser life, but now when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. It wasn't just that. It was something more than that. And so it's why we're talking about it tonight, because I really, I had this epiphany experienced in God's word, and I realized that other people were having it too. It wasn't just John that found God's plan for his life. Many other Christians were walking in this, but as I was praying and asking God what his vision for my life was, eventually I came to this point where God spoke to me and he said, John, you're going to teach people that God has a sentence for their lives. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't understand the concept yet. God had to reveal it to me as I pressed into him and continued to start the ministry of Testimony House, which we started in 2013, to encourage people to find God's plan for their life, to walk out in their gifts, to understand the purpose of their lives so that you don't have to wake up every day wondering what you're supposed to do. You're going to find what you're going to do, and you're going to use your gifts and talents to serve God and serve others. This is foundational teaching of Scripture The two commandments that Christ said were the greatest, to love God and to love others as yourself, uh, these are the foundations of God's plan and sentence for our lives. And so when I started to learn these things for myself, I started to ask God, how on earth am I going to teach this to other people? Well, he started by saying that my faith would encourage others. And in 2013, I wrote a book called Finding Faith, which you can purchase over on the website uh, newjohnsimmons.com. If you're streaming live, you'll be able to see the picture and things there and how you can get to the website and be connected with the show outside of this current radio program. I want to be able to show you in the book how God pulled me out of my gambling addiction and into a life where I'm able to share the gospel daily on a radio show. Because it wasn't overnight. And it wasn't just one night I had this, you know, revelation And then all the things in my life started to change. No, it took me almost five months after I got born again to be delivered from my gambling addiction. Many more testimonies of overcoming. Many more testimonies of seeing God move in my life, including when God asked me to quit my paycheck job dealing cards at the casino to start my full-time ministry that didn't have a paycheck. And how I didn't listen right away, but yet eventually... Heard the call on God on my heart too loud and also got confirmation in some pretty cool ways that you'd probably benefit from reading. This book is my testimony and what God's done in my life, but what it also is, it's it's an instruction manual to walking out faith. And Hebrews 11, and we'll be talking about that even more as the show goes on tonight, Hebrews 11 describes what faith is. Faith is this confidence and assurance and an unknown future. Sometimes we think when we're thinking uh, in the flesh or in the world or just when people who don't know Christ use the word faith, it's often associated with these actions that are just unlikely to occur. You know, these one in a million shots and you say something like, well, I don't have enough faith for that. Or, you know, just have faith. Oh, it's going to work out. Just have faith. You know, like we use this word sort of, it's a throwaway word. But in regards to our Christian walk, it's 
It's the word that God says in Hebrews eleven six pleases him when we use it. So if we're Christian and we're trying to walk out a life that's pleasing to what God wants, we have to learn how to use faith. But for me, reading the Bible through for the first time, getting into the Gospels, realizing that, oh my gosh, these apostles, Jesus picked these 12 guys to follow him around and that started to preach the Gospel after Jesus died, came back and ascended. And these guys were told, you have little faith, Jesus told them, on several occasions. One time the apostles went out to even heal a guy. It didn't work, and they came back to Jesus and were like, what happened, Jesus? And he's like, you have little faith. I can't imagine how us today are going to use faith to see God's will be done in our lives if the apostles couldn't get it done. However, and that wasn't the end of the story, is that the Bible also records that the apostles asked Jesus to show them how to have more faith. And so I knew that it wasn't just about having little faith and that we'll never figure out how to do it. There was a way to do it. And so I I kept asking God, God, what is faith? How can I learn more? Just like the apostles did, probably not the same language, but Hebrews 11.1 shows up and it says you need to have a confidence in things unknown, assurance in the things unseen. And I wanted to be able to have that in my life, being able to see the future that God has for my life and not the future that I'm currently living in. Because when we, we look at our lives, we don't look at a year from now or 10 years from now. Most often, most of us, they look at what? We look at our current circumstances. We look at the bills on the table. We look at the bad relationships we're in. We look at the job we don't want to go to. We look at the kids driving us crazy. We look at you know our, our terrible decisions. And we think that our life is never going to get better than this. We think that things are never going to change. And If for some reason our circumstances are okay and we're like, well, we've got things together, what do we look look back at? Our past. Look at the things we didn't accomplish. We look back at our degrees we're not using. We look back at our poor choices maybe and, and think about the things we regret. Those things prevent us from moving forward in our future because we get hung up on them. If we don't have a future to walk towards, we'll always fall back into the past where we came from. Always. If you're trying to get ahead in life and you don't know how to get ahead, I promise you, you'll go further backwards than you'll go forwards. How can you aim at a target if you don't know what the target is? So when God told me I would teach people that God has a sentence for their life, I was definitely encouraged to know that God had a plan for my life. I didn't know exactly how he would have me teach it, but as I started to write the book Finding Faith, I started to realize that there are three steps, essentially, that we teach now in the ministry But it took time for us to develop these lessons and to be able to bring them to you, whether it's on the radio, it's in person, or it's here live stream on your Facebook. God has a plan for your life, and we teach three biblical steps on how you can find God's unique and specific plan for your life. So when we come back, we're going to head back to these three steps, and we're going to be able to come back and... (laughs) It'll be an exciting show. Don't go away. You're listening to the New John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Start writing or add to God's sentence for your life? Want to learn what that means? Visit newjohnsimmons.com for articles and videos that can help you find a future and a hope for your life today. Now, back to the New John Simmons Show.
Welcome back to the program, everybody. It's the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. If you want to stay connected with the show, everybody, it's simple. Head over to Apple iTunes and search for the new John Simmons. We have podcasts of all of our past shows. Coming up close on show 100, we're looking forward to uh, some special ideas that we've got floating around here. I think you're going to be blessed by uh, if you tune into that show. It's just a couple weeks away. Head over to the Apple iTunes store today and download and subscribe to the new John Simmons Show podcast. Tonight we're talking about finding God's sentence for your life. It's our way of saying God's plan and purpose. It's our way of saying that God's got something unique and special for you. You are created to do something uh, that happens after we find Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. We see this in Ephesians 2.10. We're created to do good works through Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus. Uh, Before the break, and uh, we see on Facebook Live, Matt uh, questioned in and sent the comments, what happens when the plans that God has for you don't work out? What happens when the plans that God has for you don't work out? Well, I think sometimes we we see the plans God has for us, you know, zig when we think they should have zagged. God's will ultimately is is his design. But we can see in a couple places in Scripture where you see sort of someone make a big-time mistake or see something happen in their lives that didn't necessarily get them off course for God's ultimate sentence for their life but did maybe, uh, you know, slow things down or change things a bit. We see this with Abraham. You know, when God told him he was going to have a child and Sarah was too old and he was too old, and we see that uh, they had Ishmael, nonetheless, God still uh, changed that situation into still having Isaac. They didn't, uh, it didn't prevent God from using Sarah to finally have that child. And so we see in the Bible that people made mistakes. The King David, I mean, look at Bathsheba. We talked about this on last night's show. He, he broke all Ten Commandments in one story, guys. So we see that God's plan or God's sentence for our lives, whatever you want to use, sometimes they don't work out like we seemed. And, and, and what do we know? I mean, if, if God's ultimate plan for our life that we're walking doesn't seem like it's working, how do we know it hasn't worked out of the God's ultimate plan? And so there's a lot of questions in the air with something like that. But there is precedence, I think, biblically to think that if something happens, whether we make a misstep or there's a mistake or maybe a regret or we've done something. I think the, the key here is to seek forgiveness from God and continue to press into what he has for us. Continue to ask and seek, knock and find. Continue to look towards God to answer the questions of our heart, which many of us have. God, what do you need me to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to affect change and influence my family, my friends who I want to see saved, the people who I want to see learn what the truth of the Bible is and affect it? change in their lives these are common questions in in the lives of believers and for those of us who don't know christ i think the questions are are stem from this place of like just wanting to know why we're here why are we here well what's our purpose i think that there's a lot of ways to find purpose in our lives but the three steps that we hear we teach here to find god's sentence for your life these are three biblically based steps that we want to show you and hopefully we're, we're able to get through them all tonight in a, in a descriptive enough way for you to understand them as a takeaway if not maybe we'll come back tomorrow and discuss them further the the steps that we take here are not an end all and also i would like to preface that finding salvation is found through christ alone it's not found through finding god's sentence it's not find, found through taking these steps uh directly and saying i've got to do these things no this is just a resource and a guide to help you understand sort of how god uses us understand the promises of god in the bible in regards to walking out his plans for our life and how we can find joy peace and hope we talk about this every show every beginning of the show we talk about finding joy peace, and hope. 
Romans 15, 13 says that we find those things through trusting in Christ. And this is what passion is all about. Finding passion is, it, it, passion is, it helps us find our purpose. It defines our purpose. If our passions are sinful, our purpose is being guided by our sin nature. And if our passions are godly, then, you know, looks like we're being guided by the Holy Spirit through conviction and, of course, hearing the voice of God. And we develop the ear to hear the voice of God when we build a relationship with him. In the world, if you're going to build a relationship with someone, you do this through quality time and communication. You're, you, you don't have the same best friend today that you have the day you met them. You don't trust that person the first day you meet them. You don't trust or, you know, you're not usually ready to jump into marriage the first day you meet someone. No, it takes quality time. It takes communication for people to develop uh, a better relationship. And this is what it looks like inside the body of Christ. And so step number one to finding God's sentence for your life is to find passion. And what do we mean by passion? Well, passion, uh, there's two definitions of, of passion in the dictionary. The first one is that passion is defined as a strong emotion that guides our decisions. So uh, or, you know, in the dictionary, we're looking at love, hate, joy, and anger. These emotions are, are strong, it says. And so a, a, the difference between a strong emotion and a regular no, emotion is a strong emotion can really affect life-changing choices in our lives. So if we love someone, we'll move across the country to be with them. If we hate someone, we'll avoid them at all costs. If we're angry at someone, we might punch them in the face and go to jail for it. So we're not supposed to act on our emotions. We're supposed to be guided by God's word, but our emotions are a part of us, and they do help us you know, navigate parts of our lives. But finding passion is ultimately about the other definition of the word, although both definitions apply in our teaching on how to find passion. The number one definition of passion in the Bible is seen through the lens of Christ. It says the sufferings of Christ at the cross, okay? Uh, You also have heard the term passion in regards to Christ with uh, the most famous Christian movie of all time and, of course, the greatest story ever told, of course, the crucifixion story in the Bible, The Passion of the Christ. Why do they call it that? Why is that movie called The Passion of the Christ? Passion's a strong emotion. Is there a greater emotion than love? Is there... A greater emotion than love. So love is defined by the world as this uh, feeling of, of I'm enamored with a person or a thing, or I just love this place to eat. You know, we just it's a feeling and it can change. But biblically we see that the Bible describes love in several places as being a gift. And we're giving something away to someone. So John 3.16, of course, is the most uh, primary example of this scripture where it says, God loved us so much that he gave his only son. So uh, it's about what you're able to give through your love. And so uh, Christ, when he gave his life at the cross, at the crucifixion, he was exhibiting passion because love is a strong emotion. Love is passion is one of them. Uh, but for this particular example we're using passion of the christ and the love that god had both for god and also for man okay but why do they call it passion i have uh two teachings on this one is is that he loved us so much that he gave his life for us and now we're trying to give our lives back to him and use them as a living sacrifice to what god and christ did for us the other one is this we see in matthew 22 the prayer of Gethsemane, and so Jesus is about to go to the cross, okay? Jesus is about to go to the cross to die for the sins of mankind, and what happens? It shows in the Bible that Jesus 
got on his knees in prayer, and he started praying. He said, Lord, let this cup of suffering pass by me if there's a way, but let your will be done and not mine. Right before the crucifixion, Jesus is praying and asking God, Lord, is there any other way for me than what's about to happen? Because Christ knows the crucifixion's coming. And the Bible describes that anguish was a, a part of the mentality of Jesus in the moment. Now, Jesus, who is both God and man in this moment, was facing a, a, a real situation in life and tear, you know, uh, sweating blood. And it also describes that he didn't just pray this one time. He prayed it three times. It goes on to say that he went back again to pray the same prayer. Now, I don't know about you. I didn't see Jesus praying, you know, a lot of times about things. He said, speak to this storm and it will calm down. He said, speak to this tree, it'll fly over Mount." You know, it was all about saying the prayer. You know, when he lifted up the, the baskets of fishes and loaves up to heaven to multiply them, he wasn't like, he didn't, he didn't say that prayer a hundred times. But yet here in, in his final moments before the crucifixion, we see that Christ is praying God, if there's any other way, please take this cup of suffering from me. But, but, and he goes on to say, but I want your will to be done, not my own. Your will, not mine. And that's what finding passion, and when we talk about passion leads to purpose, is that when we are able to live a life where we actively and intentionally seek to do God's will in our lives over our own, which is our sin nature, we're able to begin writing God's sentence for our life because in our old lives prior to Christ, we are living out our sinful nature, our sinful desires. Whether we are doing things that are bad by the world's standards or not is not the question here. The question is, who is guiding our lives? But when we come born again, it says in Second Corinthians 5.17 that our new life in Christ should begin. Our old life should go away. So there is this distinction that we should be doing something differently in our new life in Christ than what we used to do in our old life. Meaning our behavior should probably start changing to be, you know, uh, resembling uh, God's word and the teachings of Christ. Our attitude should start changing. Our thoughts should start changing to be examples of what Christ taught us in the word. We want to be able to start molding ourselves to be more and more like Christ. And the Bible even talks about, you know, living our lives as an example of what Christ lived out. And so we want to be able to do what Christ did. And what did Christ do? He found passion. He found a way, even in the most difficult situation possible, right before his crucifixion, we see Jesus said, your will be done, not mine. Your will, God, not my own. So there's going to be times in our lives where God wants us to do something that's uncomfortable, that's maybe difficult, that maybe we don't see a reason behind, and maybe we don't want to do it. I don't know if Noah wanted to build an ark. I don't know if Abraham wanted to move his family. I don't know if Sarah actually wanted to have the baby. I don't know these things. But God's sentence for our lives doesn't mean he won't ask us to do things we don't want to do. It says, are we willing to do what God asks of us and, uh, and stop doing the things that we would do in our old life, which is to not listen to what God wanted us to do? We're born with this body. We're born with this nature that sort of prevents us from, tries to prevent us from first finding God. And then when we find God, it tries to prevent us from doing God's will. So we have to get to a point in our lives where we're able to not only do what God wants, but to be able to hear his voice, to hear 
the instruction that he wants us to do. Because John 10, 27 says we can hear God's voice and he speaks to us. But then it says that when we listen to him, we should follow him. So he's when he's talking to us, he's giving us instructions on what to do in our lives and where to go with our lives. And these are important things. But how do we get close enough to hear from God? Well, you've got to build a relationship with him. I'm not going to get closer to my wife if we don't communicate. I'm not going to get closer to my friends if we don't talk. I can see somebody every day. It's not about quantity time. It's about quality time. If I work with someone and I say hi to you in the hallway every day, I may see you every day, but we're not spending quality time together. We may be communicating, but we're not having quality communication. This is how you build trust with someone. If I'm not spending time with this coworker, I'm not going to trust them in a way that I would trust my best friend or my spouse or or Jesus for this matter because this is ultimately how we build our relationship with Christ, finding enough passion to get close enough to God so that we can love God more than we love ourselves. These are the greatest two commandments, to love God and love others above ourselves, ourselves least of all. Finding passion. Passion is a love, so it's it's a foundational teaching that we teach here. We want you to find God's plan and purpose for your life. It starts by developing a relationship with God, just like we do on earth with friends and spouses and acquaintances. We develop a better relationship over time. And through that communication, we're going to hear God talk to us, too. It's not a a one-way street. And when God talks to us, what is he trying to show us? When we come back, we're going to talk about finding vision, talk about what God speaks to us and what he says. And when those things take place, then what do we do? Finding a vision for your life can be liberating in a major way. We'll talk about how you can find one and why God gives us one when we come back here on the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Simmons Show is part of the Testimony House Network. To learn more about the network or to watch other network programs, please visit testimonyhouse.org. Now, here's the new John Simmons. Welcome back to the program, everybody. It's the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. We'd like to direct you over to newjohnsimmons.com where you can purchase Finding Faith, our first book that tells my testimony of finding Christ and being able to walk out uh, a life from addiction and into the new life and ministry that God had for my life. It also has all of our past shows. It has pictures and videos, uh, including the performance from Goldberry, which has been having a lot of people come and visit it uh, we had goldberry in the studio just a couple months ago who performed some songs for us an incredible evening and if you want to watch those performances or listen to that show or any of the other past shows just head over to newjohnsimmons.com today tonight we're talking about god has a sentence for your life it is the foundational teaching of this radio show it's the idea that each of us are unique and special to god we've been created with a divine purpose God has given us gifts that are irrevocable, the Bible says. God's not going to take our gifts away. He doesn't make us use them. (laughs) And some of us don't know how to use them even when they show up. So we've got to mature in our gifts. We have to gain wisdom in our lives. And one of the other things we need to find in order to get to the period on the end of God's sentence for our life is vision. Before we get to that, I want to share with you just a couple quick notes to sort of 
help things move here a little bit easier. So the idea of finding God's sentence, we haven't really discussed where it comes from. It's this idea that in Hebrews 11, we see many people call it the Hall of Faith chapter, but it's these stories about people who have done great faithful acts for the Lord. And Hebrews 11.1, which we've already talked about in this show, it talks about the definition from God's perspective on what faith is and having assurance in this unknown future. But it says that when people use faith, it says in Hebrews 11.2 that the elders obtained a good report. And a good report or a testimony was, this was the report or the testimony of their lives. People, elders, the, you know, the, the men of God, the men and women of God we see in Hebrews 11, who have done things through faith. And because the Bible and God particularly are such a, you know, it's, he's a meticulous record keeper. He counts the hairs on our heads, the days of our lives, the tears that we shed. You know, he counts a lot of things in our lives, the stars in the sky. And you got to think that these numbers, some of them change every day. And so if God's keeping these meticulous records of everything, we also see in Hebrews that he keeps the records of our lives and of the lives of the people in the Old Testament and we want to be able to see the same thing happen in our lives because it, the Revelations talks about there are going to be books open that he's keeping track of our idle thoughts and our actions. And so we have to think maybe if it's not in the exact same way as Hebrews 11, that God is keeping a record of our life. And the sentence that God has for our life can be achieved through faith. It says in Hebrews 11:4 that it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Hebrews 11:7 it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. These are the sentences of the men and women of God. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old, Hebrews 11, 11. So it's not just about men, it's not just about women, and it's not about just the big things and the little things, because it even says in Hebrews eleven thirty one that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So God's ultimate plan and and what we say around here, his sentence for our life, is not this one action, although it is recorded as one faithful action for many people here in Hebrews 11. God's sentence for our life is made up of uh, all the things in our lives that we're going to God and asking, God, what is your will in this area? We see Christ do this. He says, I don't do anything unless my Father shows me. I don't do anything unless he tells me what to do. And this is the life that we're trying to live by its example. And so the story, the greatest testimony ever told we've shared is the crucifixion story of Christ and obviously the salvation story that comes through faith in him as our Lord and Savior. But our lives can do things for the kingdom just like Christ did. Now, we're not here to save anybody, but we can do things that help others find Christ, that help others in other ways as well. And it's done through faithfully following the future that God has for us, this unknown future that Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about. So finding vision, this is the second thing that we teach you need to find when God starts talking to you, because as you develop a relationship with Jesus, there is this, this moment where he starts talking back. It's this incredible moment where you hear God, and there's several ways to hear God, and I don't have the time at this point to get into them. We've talked about it on past shows. You can look in the archives for this. God speaks to us through his word. Excuse me. He speaks to us through revelation knowledge, through dreams and visions. There's all sorts of ways God speaks to us. And when he speaks to us, what is he saying? Well, we teach that he's giving us a vision. We see this 
in these sentences of the people listed in Hebrews 11. So we believe that of the sentences that are written in the Hall of Faith, all of these people exhibit passion, which is a relationship with God, where they were able to do God's will above their own. Whether it was just that one situation or was, you know, they were living their life striving to get that example, they had found passion in that moment. Second, they had found a vision from God because each of them had done a specific task that God requested of them. Having a child, taking their family away, building a boat. You know, these, these, these cornerstone sentences were a vision from God. And a vision is just being able to clearly see our future ahead of us. Because so many of us get tied down to our past and our circumstances and we're unable to think a week ahead from now or two days from now because we're so worried about right this second. God is eternal. He, see th- he sees things before they began and how they will end. And so he has no, you know, he doesn't think about time in the same way that we do. And while he sees our lives and says, hey, it ends up all right if you follow me, we are so worried right now. And we're like, God, where are you right now? God. Where is my plan right now? God, where is my blessing right now? But God says that we activate faith by looking ahead to an unknown future. But God can show us what that future is for our lives. So getting a vision from God can happen in several ways. We can write down our plans and God can guide our steps. God can knock us over the head like with Moses and and tell him to go get the Israelites out of Egypt. There's several ways the New Testament talks about seeing dreams. We saw Mary and Joseph had dreams. Mary, you're going to have baby Jesus. Joseph, you're going to marry this girl. She has not cheated on you. So we see that even in dreams, God is talking to us about the plans for our future, a vision from God. In fact, when Paul, who had just gotten done killing all these Christians, gets knocked off his horse near Damascus, and we see that he goes blind, and when he shows up uh, in, in town and Barnabas was a bar. I'm, I'm 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 blanking on the name here, but somebody went to go talk to Paul and and tell him what his plans were from God that he was going to suffer for Christ's sake and he was going to share the gospel with the Gentiles. Even Paul had a vision from God, a plan that God wanted him to use faith to fulfill. Because I mean, it took a lot of faith, especially in those days when the gospel was new to the Jews and it was obviously not taken very well, considering they had just killed the Messiah. So finding a vision in our life is not always the easiest thing on earth, but that's why passion, it, it helps build our heart and build our ability to do what God asks of us when we realize what it is. We may not find our vision overnight, but we find it by knocking on God's door and asking him what it is. Finding a vision from God, Ephesians 1 talks about uh, the prayer Paul prays over the church, and he says that, you know, I pray that God gives you spiritual wisdom and insight into the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And so we want to be able to understand that, okay, for one, there is wisdom that I can have that's outside of my ability to gain that comes from God. Spiritual insight. That sounds like a vision to me because that's insight into how God sees my life and sees my future, and I need to grab a hold of that. So we need to start praying and asking for this. That's what Paul did. Paul even prayed this prayer over other people. They weren't even praying it over themselves. He said, this is what I pray God shows you. I hope he gives you spiritual insight, and I hope that he reveals to you the power of the Holy Spirit, which now dwells inside you because you're a believer. These are important things for us to find, but some of us don't find them. Some of us are out there not wondering that, not even wondering that our lives are bad because it hasn't even dawned on us yet. But for so many Christians, 
And this is why this lesson is so important. When I got born again and I realized that God had a plan for my life and it was so liberating and it was so instructional, when I started asking other Christians what their plans were, more times than I wanted to hear did I hear people say, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. They didn't know why they were studying in school. They didn't know what they were trying to degree they were trying to get. People didn't know where they wanted to live or where they wanted to work. They didn't know what their gifts were. People were walking around without any of this information. And I was reading in the Bible that it was clear to find and get from God if we started asking for it. I I don't want to disparage anybody. I don't know if this comes from just the devil trying to veil our eyes to the point of view that God has a plan for our life. I don't know if it's if it's teaching people that you know God has a plan for your life, but not you know expelling and expressing how to find it, and that we're destroyed by the lack of knowledge on how to find God's plan for our lives. So I'm hoping to use this ministry, this radio show, and all our resources to help you. I want to help you today. This isn't about just telling you, hey, I found it good for me. No. God has a plan for your life. I'm not special. When God lists the, the testimonies, the sentences of all these people in Hebrews 11, he didn't stop after one or two. He lists like a couple dozen people who had, and then he goes on to describe towards the end uh, a numerous number of people, some who didn't find uh, the promises that they'd been been given. This is, sort of goes to uh, Matt's question from earlier in the show. This idea that sometimes God you know, sends us on our journey and we're expecting this end to come and we don't see it. But it doesn't mean that it wasn't God's will for us to have that happen. So it's not so much about where our journey ends, where the vision for God's view of our life ends. It's about our willingness to follow it, to chase after it, to discover what it is, to get excited every day to say, God's really got something special for me. How am I going to find it? I'm going to find passion. I'm going to develop this relationship with God so that I can hear his voice. When he talks to me, he's going to give me a vision for my life. He's going to give me the ability to see where he wants me to go, whether it's one small step or it's a giant leap ahead. Five years from now, he's going to sort of direct our paths along the way. He's going to be able to show us things to come that maybe we won't believe at first, but they'll come. I'm sure Noah didn't understand the idea of, uh, of an ark, considering uh, there weren't really boats around in that time. So even if God shows us something we don't understand, like for me, the idea of testimony house and me being a minister of the gospel, that was so far removed from anything that I'd ever thought I would do. In fact, I had to start asking people, what's a ministry? Because I had no idea. The only ministry I'd ever heard of was the parking lot ministry that I had worked on at the church where I waved to people in the parking lot. Finally, we have to find faith, and this is the ultimate test in being able to find God's sentence for our life because while passion and vision are things we can acquire of a relationship with God and the ability to see what he has for us, faith is an action. Faith is us doing the things that God's asked from us, and it's why it's defined in the Bible of this unknown future and being able to please God through faith. And without faith, you know, without faith, works are dead, and these sorts of ideas that stem throughout the Bible. We don't have enough time to get entirely into it, but let me give you the, the condensed version. Faith looks forward. Vacation faith. How we get real excited about vacations and we don't think about the uh, the car breaking down on the way or the plane getting delayed and not making it to our island and sipping margaritas on the beach, right? Uh, that's what that's what faith looks like because we never think about the bad stuff when we're thinking about vacation. Instead, we think about all of the bad stuff in our lives, all the bills on the table, all the things that we're not doing. We don't think about vacations in our life the same way. We need to flip-flop them. <laughs> Maybe not think about vacations being bad, but we need to have vacation faith 
in our everyday lives. We need to start thinking that tomorrow is going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome to sit in our new job and get that new promotion. It's going to be awesome to do the work we were designed to do tomorrow. It's going to be so great. We're going to be sharing on social media all the things that God has planned for us. That's what faith looks like, believing that the things God has promised and shown you, whether it's a vision or whether it's just in his word that says we're going to serve God and love God, and we're also going to do that for others as well. These things will set you free. These are the three steps to find God's sentence for your life. Uh, when we get the book released soon, we'll, you guys will be the first to know how to pick it up. But that's going to do it for tonight's show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Curtis and Integrity on the boards tonight. I also want to thank all of you for watching on Facebook Live. Don't forget to head over to newjohnsimmons.com to get all the past shows and those things. You can also find them on the Apple iTunes store as well, guys. That's going to do it for tonight. Until tomorrow, guys, I pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today. Thanks for listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. To replay this episode or listen to past episodes, look for the new John Simmons Show podcast on your mobile device. Stay connected to the show. Read the latest news, blog posts, and see behind-the-scenes photos by following at New John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to learn more about how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life, or join a growing community of people who are finding passion, vision, and faith for their lives, please visit NewJohnSimmons.com. Until next time, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today.